0: All right, welcome in. Hope you all had a great weekend. Farzi Vasukin here with you, host of the Chief Zone Podcast. The NFL Draft now complete. I'm sure you guys all either watched it or followed it throughout the weekend, and I'm here to talk about all six of the draft picks. The Chiefs walked in with eight draft picks, ended up leaving the weekend with six. And that, of course, excludes the undrafted free agent that they'll be signing and that we'll officially learn about uh, after the weekend. So a lot to take in here. Here's what's going on uh, for the Chiefs on podcast this week. We're going to have two episodes, this one being one of them. We're not going to do the closing segments for either episode, just to keep this short and simple and to the point with the draft coverage. So we're going to be just focusing on those, uh, on those topics, essentially, the draft picks for the Chiefs. This week. So we'll have a podcast out today. This podcast came out a little bit late on Sunday evening, so I apologize for that. Most of you guys probably probably listening on Sunday evening or on Monday. And then uh, Tuesday, uh, in a couple days or tomorrow, which uh, depends when you're uh, listening to this, on Tuesday, we will have another episode out. I'll be predicting the 53-man roster. Yes, a very early prediction, but I'll be doing that. It'll be the 53-man roster prediction trying to guess who the Chiefs are going to have going into the regular season and going into week one and what that 53-man roster will look like, or as Scott Pioli once called it, the right 53. So we'll discuss that, and I'll give you guys my early prediction on that. That'll be on Tuesday's podcast, and then I'm going to be out the rest of the week. The podcast won't return until the 10th of May. That's going to be on Thursday, so that is going to be the next episode of that you can expect of the Chiefstone podcast. I'm going to be on vacation. I'm going to enjoy that. Uh, so hopefully you guys can enjoy some time. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you guys will find something to do uh, with the podcast on a bit of a hiatus, but nonetheless, uh, that'll be the case. And, and we'll be on a little bit of a hiatus in early June as well. So a couple of hiatuses coming up uh, during the summer. So we'll have that. But A lot we will talk about this offseason, and there's a lot to get into. This offseason, we've talked a lot about Pat Mahomes and the transition going from Alex Smith to Mahomes. But this weekend, I guess the narrative of Kansas City's offseason going into 2018, it's changed. And this this draft, there was a statement made by the Chiefs in this draft. This was an all-defensive draft. Now, sure, there's one uh, draft pick that's going to be converting from defense to offense, and I'll talk about that a little bit later. But overall, this is this is a very interesting move. I was expecting a bit of a mix-up. I was not expecting a defensive-heavy draft. And I told you guys, I was hoping for James Washington, if he was available in the second round, and he was by the time the Chiefs traded up. But the Chiefs didn't go for him. They went for uh, a defensive player, a lot of defensive players, which we'll touch on shortly. There is something that I do want to say before I get started on this. I'll have my opinions on these draft picks. You guys are going to have your opinions. Some of you guys like them. Some of you guys may not. Some of you guys don't even know. And that's okay. But here's the thing that irritated me over the weekend. Because I saw a lot of people tweeting these things. And to me, it just... It got on my nerves to the point where I had to say something about it. Because a lot of the players that the Chiefs got and other Players that went to other teams. All of a sudden we saw all of these Facebook coaches and Twitter scouts. uh, Basically people thinking that they know the game. Better than the general managers out there. Understand this. Because, and I even saw Torres Paylor having to defend himself a little bit. From some of the comments that he was getting. At the end of the day, the Mel Kuypers, the Todd McShays. Uh, The Matt Millers out there, Walter Footballs, uh, and all these beat writers, all all of these people who cover the NFL for a living. Especially those that do a lot of scouting and have a lot of mock drafts. Sometimes some of these guys have very early mock drafts a year in advance. Uh, Sounds crazy, but people love clicking on those things, so that's why they provide these things. Understand this, what people in the media see and view is not always going to be the same as those who are on an NFL team, whether it's as a GM, as a coach, as a scout, whatever the case is, everyone's viewpoint is going to be different. Now, I touched on this last podcast, but the issue is I see these teams trading up, getting certain players, and I, and I see fans commenting saying, well, well they could have traded down and gotten that player. How in the world do you know this? Because what... CBS or ESPN's draft board is, in terms of best overall players, is not going to be the same as what Brett Veach has, or as what John Dorsey has, or all of these other teams here. In fact, not all 32 draft boards are going to be the same in terms of, I mean, in terms of, you know, how they rank the players, one through 300, however many players are, are, I mean, there's obviously more than that, but... Keep one thing in mind, media scouts don't do this. Media scouts truly do not evaluate every single player out there, they just don't. The guys who are in the NFL as a scout, they do, because that's what they get paid to do. So understand this, if you want to criticize the Chiefs for trading up and getting a certain guy and if you think he's going to be a bad player, that's fair game right there. But if you're going to say that an NFL team traded up and got a guy that they could have gotten later, you have to to prove this. I mean, sure, there are people in the media that will tell you he was projected to go later, way later, but how do we know that for sure? Because here's the other thing and I'll just use Breland Speaks as an example, and I'll get to the draft in a moment. A lot of times teams hear things. Sometimes it's a smokescreen. Sometimes it's used to try to force a team to make a move quicker than they probably should have. But when a team hears that there's a certain guy that they'll be going after, the other team will try their best to move ahead and do anything to, to get a specific player they might like. And obviously the Chiefs, heard that somebody wanted Breland Speaks, so they quickly moved up. Why do you think the Chiefs traded up so early in last year's drafts in the first round to get Pat Mahomes? They probably found out that another NFL team out there wanted him before Deshaun Watson, so they felt the need to call Buffalo, make that trade right there, and obviously the rest is history. We know what happened then. Chiefs traded up to 10th overall and got Pat Mahomes. In a surprising move before Deshaun Watson. So, y- understand this. There are reasons why NFL teams make trades. If, for example, the New England Patriots and the Chiefs, they made a, uh, a trade for the 198th pick. The Chiefs like the guy in specific there in Khalil Mack, who they're going to be converting to uh, offensive guard. The Chiefs felt the need to give up a pair of 7th round picks. The Patriots said, okay, well, we do like someone out there. But if you're going to be giving us these picks, then we will take them. And if someone else takes a player that we were targeting, well, then that's fine. We've got these two additional draft picks in the 7th round. Understand this, because I'm no expert here. I'll give you guys my thoughts. But at the end of the day, I don't care if you are a major big dog as an expert covering the NFL with these guys, nobody truly knows what's going to happen with these guys. Nobody truly knows everything with these uh, with these players. That Keep all of that in mind, please. And please have an open mind. You know, when you watch drafts, whether it's the NFL draft or the NBA draft in the future, understand there's a reason why teams trade up and make certain moves. Again, if you don't like a certain player and you want to criticize that, draft pick that's a totally different deal but saying why do they trade up well, well they they traded up because they knew someone else was going to get him and for whatever reason that we sometimes may know sometimes don't know that specific team really likes that specific player and they really want that guy on their football team so understand all of this when we when you hear about trades and all these critical comments i'm seeing that kind of just drove me crazy here's what bothers me the most about sports fans they think they are scouts sometimes they're not i give you guys my evaluation of certain things but i have always said many times i'm just the guy behind a microphone here like, like like many people in the media uh, you know many people who are writing columns or, or talking on air or, or in front of a camera everyone's just an evaluator based on what they see in games very few of these people actually watch the game film or can study certain things, looking at someone's feet or how they use their hands, and, and I, I'm I'm never gonna be ever ever gonna be able to evaluate players like that in that in that certain regard. A lot of times former players can do that, a lot of former players actually can't do that. So understand all of this as we do discuss these draft picks. With that said, let's go ahead and talk about these draft picks uh the first one for the Kansas City Chiefs in round two again traded up to get this guy 46 overall Breland Speaks from Ole Miss uh had a fairly good season in 2017 started all 12 games had seven sacks six of them came in the second half of the season so he really came strong late in the year for Ole Miss didn't get to a postseason bowl game but Breland Speaks was one of the highlights for Ole Miss in 2017 consistency kind of an issue for him great pass rusher Andy Reid kind of compared him to Tom Bahali and he could be a guy maybe not right away but eventually does replace Tom Bahali in his position uh if he is consistent if he can work on the consistency part this is a guy who could be very similar in terms of success to some of the great pass rushers the Chiefs have had in recent history uh like Jared Allen, Justin Houston, Tom Bahali yeah, he's just got to be able to work on being consistent. And if he can do that, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. And a lot of offensive linemen are going to have a hard time stopping him. And quarterbacks are going to hate him. Very big guy at his position. 6'3", 283 pounds. Plays with aware- awareness. Very athletic. Uh, one downside, and, I, and I, I'm not too worried about this, but he was ejected in a couple of games. One against Kentucky for targeting and ejected against Mississippi State For a pair of unsportsmanlike penalties. So, take it for what you will. Andy Reid's dealt with these kinds of players. And he's dealt with players with worse issues for years. So I'm not too concerned about that. I'm sure Andy Reid can work on that. We saw Travis Kelsey kind of deal with that. And then Travis Kelsey suddenly, next thing you know, not really doing a whole lot. with. I mean, he's not committing all of these boneheaded penalties that are hurting the offense. So, if if anything, I'm confident that Andy Reid will be able to do the same thing with Breland Speaks. Down the road. He was drafted as a defensive end, but definitely going to be converted to outside linebacker in uh, in this defense for the Kansas City Chiefs. So a very good pickup for Bob Sutton's defense, and this is, I think, something the Chiefs need. Now you've got guys like Justin Houston, D Ford, who are expected to be part of the uh, part of the uh, starting roles going into 2018's week one regular season, but for how long? And I think that question mainly surrounds D Ford. And I think that's something that's worth noting. And by the way, before I move on, if you haven't, check out arrowheadaddict.com. I put out a list of five players who are on the roster bubble. I'm not going to touch on this on on this podcast. I'll let you guys check it out on arrowheadaddict.com. But five players who I think are going to be on the roster bubble following this draft. A lot of players who could be in trouble. Maybe their time in Kansas City is limited unless they do something this offseason to impress the coaches. Or if an injury takes place... Sometime during the offseason or in training camp. So, a lot to talk about there. Check that out. I'll also put the link out on social media. And I forgot to mention that. Facebook.com slash FarzianVisugin. Twitter.com slash Farzian21. You guys can like and follow my Facebook page and also follow me on Twitter. But, more or less. Moving on to round three. The 75th overall pick. Derek Natty from Florida State. Not the biggest nose tackle out there. That was picked up at 6'1", 312 pounds. A little bit of undersized, but I saw some success while playing at Florida State. had 56 tackles, 10 tackles for a loss, 3.5 sacks in the 13 starts he had last year. Fought through an ankle injury in 2016 and still did fairly well. Started 11 games that year out of 13 and still dominated through the middle 10 and a half tackles for a loss six sacks that year he was named the most improved defensive player of the year on Florida State's defense and that of course positive thing to take in uh, for him and he definitely shined in those two years and I I think he definitely proved himself trying to fight through that ankle injury and trying to play for the team so that's definitely something uh to, to keep in mind with him and and I'll say this too and I touched on this in the Arrowhead Addict article. There is a uh, there's there's competition for that nose tackle spot wide open. Nobody none of the defensive tackles the Chiefs have have relevant starting experience in the NFL. Of course a couple of them are going to be rookies, one of them of course a draft pick. We'll find out if there're going to be any undrafted free agents that the Chiefs will sign at this position, but a lot of, no no, no guaranteed starter going into week one at this position. It is completely wide open. And as a matter of fact, I would say Natty's chances of starting in week one a little bit better than Speaks because Speaks is going to be behind a pro bowler and a guy who has had some flashes at times, whereas for Natty, there is no one ahead of him that is a guaranteed week one starter. So there is a, an opportunity for him to really shine if he can take advantage of this opportunity and, and perhaps start in week one for the Chiefs when they visit the Chargers. Later in the third round the final pick of the second day 100th overall inside linebacker originally an outside linebacker in college is going to be playing inside Dorian O'Daniel and I've heard a lot of people talk about how he has played outside a little bit in nickel defense so we'll see what what's going to be said. A lot of people are calling him an inside linebacker, but we'll see how things go this uh, this offseason. Very good special teams player, and I think this is one of the reasons why the Chiefs picked him up. Very good as a blocker and as a tackler on special teams, and I'll get into this in, in a moment, but defensively speaking, good tackler, very versatile. Finished 2017 with two pick sixes, and... At this point, it's going to be interesting who the Chiefs have behind Reggie Ragland and Anthony Hitchens. I mentioned this before. A year ago today, those two guys, Hitchens and Ragland, weren't even on the Chiefs. And now they are expected to be the Week 1 starters for 2018 for Kansas City. And they're going to need to build some depth. And O'Daniel could be one of those guys. That we'll see. remains to be seen exactly what his role is going to be on this defense. But as far as special teams goes... This is one of those players who I think Dave Tobe is going to really enjoy coaching. Because Tyree Hill definitely took a step back in 2017 when it came to return success. Now he didn't play a whole lot on kick return because the Chiefs wanted him to focus more on offense. And that's understandable. But the Chiefs definitely needed to find a way to improve on special teams overall as a unit. And O'Daniel is definitely one of those guys that can help the Chiefs make that happen. Speed is a weakness for him, but he's able to go out there and follow a certain defensive guy to, to target and block and pave the way for a return man. Man coverage, not the best, as I mentioned, but overall, uh, I think as a special teams guy, can definitely shine and uh, make some plays for the Chiefs, some key blocks to help Tyreek Hill and DeAnthony Thomas, uh, whoever else they may have. Handling return duties. And by the way, kind of an interesting note. He was high school teammates with Kendall Fuller in Maryland. As a matter of fact, Kendall Fuller was at his draft party. And uh, there's a video, I believe Kendall Fuller tweeted this, of him popping champagne and just having a lot of fun. Uh, he, he was actually greeting his family. I saw his interview with BJ Kissel. He was inter- he was greeting uh, all of his guests out the door as the draft was wrapping up on the second day. And then with the final pick, he gets a phone call and people are looking at him wondering what's going on. And funny enough, he uh, found out that he is going to be on the Kansas City Chiefs as uh, the draft was ending. So kind of an interesting way to to learn about your uh, your draft selection uh, when hosting your own draft party. So definitely good news for him. And of course, reunited with Kendall Fuller in Kansas City. Kind of funny how that all works out. The Chiefs traded for Kendall Fuller a couple of months ago and then they draft Dorian O'Daniel, and now those guys, former high school teammates, now playing in the NFL together. Kind of interesting to have that kind of mix there, because it, it, it's it's a small world, but at the same time, it's not. But then again, you see these two guys who are reuniting. All they did is play high school football together in Maryland, and then they're out in the Midwest playing on the same pro football team. So, very cool story, and I'm sure uh, the media is going to talk a little bit more about that during the summer. Round four, things got interesting here. Because going into round four, I thought, all right, the Chiefs have three defensive players. They've definitely got to pick somebody on the offensive side of the football. And that was not the case. Instead, they continued going after defensive guys. And with the 124th pick, they got safety Armani Watts out of Texas A&M, who had four interceptions his senior year, 10 total career interceptions, had three as freshman year. Very active defensive player, In his four years at Texas A&M. Lacks the ideal size and build for a safety in the NFL. Lance Zerloin made a a very interesting comment. And says that he's been caught guessing on a lot of routes. When trying to go up against a tight end or a wide receiver. And that's a big reason why he was not expected to be drafted early. And had he been able to do better with reading certain routes and, and certain ways pass catchers were running their routes perhaps could have been a day one or at the very least certainly guaranteed a day two draft pick but fell just short of that drafted early on day three and is definitely going to be a guy who's who's going to provide some depth at safety we all know about Eric Berry but who's the other guy that's going to start beside Eric Berry that remains to be seen I know Sorensen played a lot last year in, uh, in Eric Berry's absence. But uh, I, I think the Chiefs prefer to see him more as a depth guy. Than uh, someone who starts 16 games. And Armani Watts. I think this is a guy. Uh, as someone who is very active in college. He is somebody who can definitely challenge. For a starting role on this football team. And I talked a little bit more about this in the article. I mentioned at Arrowhead Attic. This is a very interesting offseason for safeties in Kansas City. And... There's a lot of open competition there. And, and and I've talked about this a little bit with with the second Chiefs pick, with, with Natty. This is another position where, yeah, sure, he's a fourth-round pick, but if Watts can really shine, he doesn't have necessarily a lot of competition ahead of him. Yeah, sure, there are a couple of guys on the depth chart with some starting experience, uh, but at the same time, they don't have necessarily great starting experience, so to say. For example, I mean, if you have... Five years of manager experience, and you're applying for a a big manager job elsewhere. Well, sure, yeah, five years as a a manager, but where at? Is it at a respectable company or respectable shop? Where exactly were you a manager at? Whereas with the safeties in Kansas City, yeah, you've got uh, the veteran from Pittsburgh and you've got Sorensen, guys who have that experience, but at the same time, Daniel Sorensen and or Robert Goldman, the, the the player who the Chiefs acquired from Pittsburgh, they haven't started a whole lot of games in their NFL careers. Uh, they've been around for a bit, but they haven't done great when their number's been called uh, as a starter. So what if Armani Watts just happens to have a very good offseason? That's something definitely worth keeping an eye on. Round 6, Chiefs did not have a 5th round pick, 196th overall. Uh, The Chiefs drafted Tremont Smith out of Central Arkansas. Fairly average uh, defensive back. Good speed, uh, which I'll get to the speed in a moment. He played baseball. Has a baseball background and can track a a baseball coming at his direction. So he definitely has that experience as well as a cornerback. Scouts and general managers love this in defensive backs. If a defensive back played baseball, whether it was... Very active as a high schooler or playing in college. GMs and scouts love that. And they will praise a player for that uh, when considering uh, a defensive back. So that is, for what it's worth, what what I've heard over the years, something that is worth mentioning on here. Uh, has some potential as a punt returner, though. And I mentioned the speed that he has. He, he's he got the ability to return the football if anything were to happen to Tyree Kill or... As much as I think some fans would hate to hear this, if the Chiefs prefer Tyreek Hill to be a full-time offensive starter and to keep him away from those special teams duties, and I will say this, Tyreek Hill has... He's got a bit of an issue when it comes to fielding certain punts, and he's tended to fumble certain punts. And that is never anything you can afford. When, when your defense forces a punt, you cannot blow that opportunity. You've got to make sure... That you maintain possession and you let your offense come out and give them an opportunity to to score. Maybe a field goal or a touchdown. Uh, Tyreek Hill has come close to hurting the Chiefs at times as a punt returner. As great as he's been, don't get me wrong. He's one of the best out there. But the thing that a lot of people around the league don't know about. And it doesn't get talked about because how great he's been as a return guy. How, how fast he is. Are the muff punts. So that is definitely something that Kansas City's got to be careful with. And if, if they feel like they would prefer Tyreek Hill will move away from that, well, they've got someone in Smith who can definitely handle those putt and return duties. The final pick for the Chiefs, they traded up with New England to get this one. The 198th overall pick, a defensive tackle, Khalil McKenzie, out of Tennessee, who is going to be converting to guard. Uh, here's what I'm about to read you It's going to sound irrelevant But I also think it's going to be Worth noting This is his defensive uh, scouting report Known to be quick against offensive linemen When the ball is snapped Very good with his hands A consistent tackler And can finish plays Uh, Just started one season For Tennessee Which was a rough one for them Tennessee had a rough couple of years uh, In Knoxville But Biggest weakness for him, he tends to get on the ground quite a lot when the ball is snapped, when he's going up against offensive linemen. And once you're on the ground, that kind of puts you out of contention in trying to make any kind of a stop or a tackle if a play is still in progress or ongoing. Now, how does how is all of this relevant to a guy that's going to be converting to guard? Well, I think at the end of the day, it's a defensive lineman who knows what to expect when he switches over to an offensive lineman he's played that position before so he knows how defensive linemen are going to act and here's the other thing too i, I we, we don't hear a lot of great success stories with players switching positions uh going from offense to defense or vice versa so i'm not too confident in this pick with Khalil McKenzie, who, by the way, is the uh, son of Reggie McKenzie, the general manager of the Oakland Raiders. Uh, And kind of a funny story behind that, uh, former Raiders legend Charles Woodson texted Reggie McKenzie uh, of the Raiders, and uh, according to Matt Derrick, uh, he wrote, quote, your son has to retire. There's no way he's going to put that red helmet on his head. Now, a lot of people have concerns about this. Okay, if he's the son of a rival's GM... Uh, what does that do? Uh, you know, how what? What do you do with that situation? How is it that you know? Maybe he does or doesn't give away certain team secrets, and that is something a lot of Chiefs fans are concerned about, and I think kind of valid concerns here. Um, because look, I mean, what if you are getting together for the holidays? I mean does does Khalil McKenzie give away what's going on in the locker room, and Reggie McKenzie uses something against that? I mean, look. Uh, schematics, I mean, if you're giving away those things, uh, not the greatest thing. It does raise uh, some sort of concern. But look, at the end of the day, if the Chiefs really felt like that was a major concern, I'm sure that they would not have drafted the son of a GM who they're rivals against and play twice a year. So I think that does need to be... Uh, th- th- that just needs to be kept in mind with all of this. Nonetheless... I'm interested to see what they do with him when he converts to guard. Because if you're trading up for a guy who you want to, to have convert to the offensive side, uh, that says a lot. Uh, you don't just trade up to get a player just for the hell of it and ha- ask him to switch his position. The Chiefs see something in McKenzie if they felt the need to make this trade and really want him to be an offensive guard. It's not the same thing as, you know, a defensive end going to outside linebacker or an outside linebacker going to inside linebacker or a cornerback to safety or vice versa or uh, I guess offensively, offensively speaking, guard to tackle, tackle to center, running back to wide receiver or receiver to running back. I mean, those kinds of things are different. You're still playing a position that you're fairly familiar with to some regard. This is a guy who's going to be playing on the other side of the football and that's where my concern is. We'll see what the Chiefs think of that and what they try to do with him moving forward with that position. Because that is a very interesting position there with Brian Wittsman, also part of the mix, who started a lot of games last year for the Chiefs. Let me know your thoughts on these draft picks. A lot of you guys not too happy about this. not the most thrilling draft. And I understand with no first-round pick, and we all know why the Chiefs don't have one, you're not going to get a lot of... Bright-eyed players. There are not going to be a lot of players to be excited about. So that's understandable. But keep one thing in mind. In 2016, the Chiefs, they had a first-round pick. They traded out of it. And they did not have a first-round draft pick that year. Well, who did they get? They got Chris Jones and Tyree Kill. Chris Jones in the second round, Tyree Kill in the fifth round. And all of their redo... Mock drafts for 2016 that I have seen, both Chris Jones and Tyreek Hill have been first round picks. And I have said this on the on the podcast before. Please do not get fed up with draft placement because fans, when when a team season is over, whether it's in the regular season or if they lose in the playoffs, the biggest complaint is, well, we don't have a great draft. Pick We're not picking early in the draft. And my response has always been, who cares? The Chiefs drafted Glenn Dorsey and Tyson Jackson in the top five. How did that pan out? The Chiefs have drafted a lot of great football players in later rounds. And they pan out to do well. Some some late round picks, great. Some not. Some even cut before the regular season. Uh, I remember the Chiefs drafted uh, quarterback Kevin Hogan, I believe, in the fifth round. And he was cut. Before the regular season. So he never got an opportunity to actually play in Kansas City. Draft picks are draft picks. They really are. You can never get too fed up or too excited. Sure, maybe you can get excited about certain players. I remember with Eric Berry, a lot of Chiefs fans were excited for that pickup. And uh, obviously he's done well for the Chiefs. Even despite missing a lot of games in his career with, uh, with injuries and of course his health, he has still been worth that fifth overall pick for Kansas City from 2010. But at the end of the day, we never know about these guys until they get out there and and prove themselves. And that's something, it's one of those things that we just have to wait and see. Before I sign off, here's the biggest question mark. Did the Chiefs get better after this draft? I think they've got some players that can help them improve. Uh, I, I think the Chiefs did get better. But the big better question, I guess, is... By how much? And I don't know if the Chiefs got a lot better on April the 29th. We just had the draft end on the 28th. So April the 29th, when you woke up, did you think that the Chiefs were a better football team than they were before the draft? And I can't say that I feel too confident about that. Let me know your thoughts on this. Are the Chiefs a better football team Following the 2018 NFL Draft. Simple yes or no question, but preferably with a reason behind it. Facebook.com/slash Farzine Vesugian, Twitter.com/slash Farzine21. You guys can also email me Farzine at Vesugian.com. As I promised, it's going to be a shorter episode this time around. We are not going to do the closing segments for the two episodes this week, but that will return when the podcast returns on the 10th. As always, you know the social media Facebook.com slash Twitter.com slash two 21 and my email is farzing at FarzienVisugian.com Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast on iTunes. Spread the word with your friends. Let them know about this podcast. On Tuesday's episode of the Chiefs Stone Podcast I'll be on here and we will break down the roster and I will give you my prediction my early prediction for the 53-man roster. Who do I, who do I think We'll make the 53-man roster. Of course, not going to be 100% accurate. There could be a player that gets cut in August who the Chiefs pick up in September before Week 1. So I'll give you guys my prediction for the Week 1 starters and who the 22 backups will be and a couple of other guys who are going to be providing depth on the team. We'll talk about that on Tuesday's podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Chiefs Zone podcast. Talk to you guys on Tuesday. It'll be the final episode of the week And then the podcast will be on a bit of a hiatus. Appreciate you guys listening. Talk to you next time.